chapter 32. And if you'll turn there with me, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, uh, verses 9 uh, down through verse 23. Hear now the word of the living God. After this, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, who was besieging Lachish with all his forces, sent his servants to Jerusalem, to Hezekiah, king of Judah, and to all the people of Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, On what are you trusting that you endure the siege in Jerusalem? Is not Hezekiah misleading you that he may give you over to die by famine and by thirst when he tells you, The Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria. Has not this same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, Before one altar you shall worship, and on it you shall burn your sacrifices. Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands at all able to deliver their lands out of my hand? Who among all the gods of those nations that my fathers devoted to destruction was able to deliver his people from my hand that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? And now therefore do not let Hezekiah deceive you or mislead you in this fashion. And do not believe him. For no God of any nation or kingdom has been able to deliver his people from my hand or from the hand of my fathers, how much less will your God deliver you out of my hand? And his servants said still more against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. And he wrote letters to cast contempt on the Lord, the God of Israel, and to speak against him, saying, Like the gods of the nations of the lands who have not delivered their people from my hands, so the God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. And they shouted it with a loud voice in the language of Judah to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten and terrify them in order that they might take the city. And they spoke of the God of Jerusalem as they spoke of the gods of the peoples of the earth which are the work of men's hands. Then Hezekiah the king and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, prayed because of this and cried to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel who cut off all the mighty warriors and commanders and officers in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame of face to his own land, and when he came into the house of his God, some of his own sons struck him down there with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all his enemies. And he provided for them on every side, and many brought gifts to the Lord to Jerusalem and precious things to Hezekiah king of Judah so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations from that time onward. 
Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have recorded these events that happened thousands of years ago uh, that we might learn to trust you and to not be afraid to stand for you. Lord, you have recorded this to teach us of the place of prayer. You have recorded this for us to remind us that the security of your people and of any nation does not rest in anything but your saving sovereign presence. And so, Lord, we ask that you would revive our hearts to trust in you, Lord Jesus, as our own Redeemer, that you would give us joy as families to serve you in our own homes and lives and callings, that you would thrill us uh, to be your people uh, in this congregation and to cry to you to bring revival and reformation to the church in our day, and that you would raise up civil leaders that would humble themselves before you, uh, Lord, because uh, it reflects the heart of the people. O oh Lord, have mercy upon us. Save us, we beg, in Jesus. And it is in the name above all names, the name of Jesus, that we pray to you, the one true living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, last Lord's Day, we looked at the first eight verses of chapter 32, and we saw uh, that uh, after the revival that God brought about, a time of testing came. Uh, you would think that after the return to the Lord, the revival of uh, the temple and the worship of Almighty God according to Holy Scripture, uh, the celebration uh, of the deliverance that God wrought for his people um, that was commemorated each year uh, in the Passover feast. Uh, you would think that the next uh, section in our uh, uh, recording uh, of the history of Hezekiah would probably be uh, and great peace reigned throughout the land. But the Lord in his providence brought about a time of testing. Uh, that is not an unusual thing uh, because as we read in James chapter 1 and Romans chapter 5, um, the Lord many times places us uh, in hard situations to grow us uh, to see the glory and power of God and to experience in our own hearts and lives uh, a renewed understanding of how good God is and how powerful He is and how He is indeed a faithful God and Savior. The Lord sets the stage for such an occasion uh, by allowing this 
pagan, wicked king to follow in the footsteps of his father, uh, Shalemazer, who had captured the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, it was during that time succeeding him that Sennacherib had uh, invaded uh, uh, and had begun uh, oppressing now uh, to capture the southern kingdom. Um, he had begun to uh, uh, do this on sort of an incremental uh, uh, basis. Uh, there was enough time, you remember, uh, for Sennacherib to gather his captains together uh, and to uh, design and build this amazing tunnel that we looked at uh, last week uh, to transfer the water from the spring of Gihon uh, uh, through this tunnel to the inner part of the city to build a new wall around that so that the kings of Assyria would not have access to plenteous fresh water. And then Hezekiah's stirring speech. Um, now, it would be easy for us to look at these things that are just recorded for us here in Second Chronicles and not see the full picture. And so if you'll turn with me over in Second Kings uh, chapter 18, we looked at some of these verses uh, last Lord's Day, uh, but Hezekiah uh, had uh, been struggling. Uh, he did trust in the Lord. He was faithful, and he did lead uh, the people to stand for the Lord. But he had also struggled and wavered. And we read in 2 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for until those days the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him wherever he went. He prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. He struck down the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from watchtower to fortified city. In the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of three years, he took it. 
And in the sixth year of Hezekiah, which was the ninth year of Hoshea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. The king of Assyria carried the Israelites away to Assyria and put them in Hala and on the Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant. Even all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, they neither listened nor obeyed. In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Withdraw from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will bear. Now here's where he's, he's wavering. And the king of Assyria required of Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of, go, of silver and 30 talents of gold. And Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and then the treasuries of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the doorpost that Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria sent the Tartan, the Reb Saras, and the Reb Shaka, with a great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. Now there's speculation about whether these were the names of the generals themselves or whether these were the titles of these generals' position. Whatever the case, uh, there were these three leaders of Sennacherib's army. And he sent them after Hezekiah had paid this huge sum of tribute. Sent them with a great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. And when they arrived, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool, which is on the highway to the washer's field. And when they called for the king... There came out to them Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shevna, the secretary, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder. And so here we see uh, a little bit more. Now, uh, Second Chronicles has just summarized all the events that we are reading about and does not record the details uh, of the backdrop of Hezekiah wavering. Uh, he uh, hears that the king of Assyria uh, is taking Lachish, which was one of the uh, cities on the border, and, and it's very plain he's, he's headed uh, his way with intentions, and so he says, um, I, I've done wrong, uh, I've rebelled against you, I'll pay you tribute. And there was this huge... Uh, amount of, of tribute that was required. Hezekiah paid it. And it is striking. We have no record that Hezekiah prayed, that he humbled himself before the Lord, uh, that he went to Isaiah the prophet, uh, as we're going to see he later does, which were all what he should have done to begin with. 
And it is also striking that this huge amount of tribute that King Hezekiah paid had absolutely no effect whatsoever to stop this pagan wicked king. He gets his tribute and uh, he continues uh, to come forth. Now, the heart of King Sennacherib's uh, grievous attack was not just the military threat, but it was his blasphemy against the true and the living God. And so we have recorded for us um, in Second Chronicles chapter 32, again, a shortened version. Um, actually, the king of Sennacherib uh, uh, came uh, uh, twice. Uh, he uh, came with his army, uh, these generals, and uh, Hezekiah uh, prayed um, and uh, sought uh, help, uh, asked Isaiah the prophet to pray for him, and the Lord sent word that uh, Sennacherib would not invade uh, the city. And so uh, the Lord stirred in a, another pagan king, and word came to these generals as they were getting ready to besiege the city that um, they were needed elsewhere. And, and so the army withdrew, and um, Sennacherib sent word to King Hezekiah again. And he said, listen, buddy, I don't think that your God has delivered you. I I'll be back. Uh, you, you, you have not escaped my hand. And this time, King Sennacherib sent a letter, uh, a letter that spelled out uh, his blasphemous uh, attack, uh, his uh, claim that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was just like all the other pagan gods. And the argument went in both cases, first through the Rabshakeh, uh, the first general who spoke, and then King Sennacherib's letter itself after they had to temporarily withdraw. And King Sennacherib himself sent a letter saying, have any of the gods of the other nations uh, that we have conquered been able to rescue those nations from my hand and my father's hands? And the obvious answer was no. Um, and his argument was, well, how much less then can your little God uh, deliver uh, you from my hand? So that's the context. Now we'll keep reading uh, in 2 Kings 18. And then we'll go back to Second Chronicles 32. But we'll begin in verse 19 of Second Kings 18. And the Rabshakeh said to them, Say to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, 
On what do you rest this trust of yours? Do you think that mere words are strategy and power for war? In whom do you now trust that you have rebelled against me? Behold, you are trusting now in Egypt, that broken reed of a staff which will pierce the hand of any man who leans on it. And God himself had warned his people through the prophet Isaiah that indeed uh, they dare not trust in the king of Egypt in the face of these threats uh, from the Assyrian Empire. God himself had said that Egypt is like a splintered reed. You can picture a walking stick that is broken at the top, and it's, it's this sharp, pointed uh, uh, nail uh, like a spear. And if you lean your hand upon it, instead of it being something that would give you support, uh, it would pierce through your hand. And so uh, whether uh, uh, the king of Assyria had heard of this prophecy or whether in the Lord's providence this same analogy was just used, uh, we do not know. But what we do know, it was indeed true that it would be futile to trust in another pagan source like Egypt. Verse 21, Behold, you are trusting now in Egypt that broken reed of a staff which will pierce the hand of any man who leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, We trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed? And so here we see the confusion of this pagan general and Sennacherib, a pagan king. They assumed that all of these high places that indeed had been removed uh, from Judah in Hezekiah's day uh, were associated with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, they were not. Um, uh, these were places that had become nests of paganism. They maybe started out as places where uh, uh, God's people said, well, it's too inconvenient for us to go to Jerusalem as God had commanded the males to appear before him three times a year. Um, the Rab Shaka says, look, Hezekiah is... Uh, uh, misleading you. He's inconsistent. Don't listen to him. Um, verse 23, Come now, make a wager with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses, if you are able on your part to set riders on them. How then can you repulse a single captain among the least of my master's servants when you trust in Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Moreover, is it without the Lord that I have come up against this place to destroy? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and Shevna, and Joah said to the Rabshakeh, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. Do not speak to us in the language of Judah within the hearing of the people who are on the wall. But the Rabshakeh said to them, Has my master sent me to speak these words to your master and to you and not to the men sitting on the wall who are doomed with you to eat their own dung and to drink their own urine? And then the Rabshakeh stood and called out in a loud voice in the language of Judah, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. 
Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you out of my hand. Do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying the Lord will surely deliver us and this city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and come out to me. Then each one of you will eat of his own vine and each one of his own fig tree. And each one of you will drink the water of his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey, that you may live and not die. And do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you by saying, The Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations ever delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arphod? Where are the gods of Jephthah-Vaim, Hena, Iva? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their lands out of my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. But the people were silent and answered him not a word, for the king's command was, Do not answer him. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shevna the secretary, and Joah the son of Asaph, the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words of the Rabshakeh. As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shevna the secretary, and the senior priest covered with sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. They said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, of disgrace. Children have come to the point of birth, and there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God heard all the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, Thus says the Lord, do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. The Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna. For he heard that the king had left Lachish. Now the king heard that Tirhakah, king of Cush, behold, he has set out to fight against you. So he sent messengers again to Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? 
Have the gods of the nations delivered them? The nations that my fathers destroyed? Gozan, Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arphad, the king of the city of zephar Vain, and the king of Hena, or the king of Iva? Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may, may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. Now, before we look at this prayer and, uh, I mean, this message from God and the result that God wrought after that, I just want to draw your attention to these two things. That the thing that Hezekiah is most concerned about is not just his own well-being. It is. But even more than that, he is stirred because God's name and his honor are being attacked. God's name is being drugged through the mud. Uh, these pagan generals and this pagan uh, king, Sennacherib, have stated that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is just like all of the other pagan gods. And Hezekiah's prayer ends with, God, we're asking you to reach down your hand and to deliver us so that all of these other nations will see and understand that you are not like all of these pagan so-called gods that are really not gods at all. They're just the figments of men's imaginations and the work of men's hands of wood and stone. They're worthless idols. No wonder they have been destroyed. But you are the true and the living God. And so look from heaven, see and save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. And when we are in distress, this ought to be the thing that is 
our greatest concern. It is God's glory. It is, yes, we desire deliverance from whatever is facing us and our families, uh, but the glory of God, His honor, His name, He has put His name upon us. He has made us Christian families. He has made us a part of His people. Uh, This nation that is in such uh, disrepute, uh, not only as we look at our own nation, but the other nations of the world look at this nation that once claimed to be and covenanted in those very words to be a Christian nation. We are now a mockery in the whole world. We ought to be stirred to pray that God would vindicate his name in our distress, whether personally or our families, the church, or our nation. Well, God sends a word of deliverance, and then God acted. And so let's look, beginning in verse 20 of chapter 19 of 2 Kings. Then Isaiah the son of Amos sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. She despises you. She scorns you. The virgin daughter of Zion, she wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Whom have you mocked and reviled? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights? Against the Holy One of Israel. And so God says, Sennacherib, here's what's going to happen. Jerusalem and the people uh, of, of Judah are going to despise you and scorn you and wag their heads at you because you have mocked and reviled not just Jerusalem and Judah, but you have mocked and reviled the true and the living God, the Holy One of Israel. Verse 23, this is God's message to this pagan king. The Lord has spoken concerning him. By your messengers, you have mocked the Lord. You have said, with my many chariots, I've gone up the heights of the mountains to the far recesses of Lebanon. I felled its tallest cedars, its choicest cypresses. I entered its farthest lodging place, its most fruitful forest. And we have reference in the days of King Solomon Uh, to the cedars of Lebanon. And uh, we uh, think that those trees were similar uh, to the redwoods uh, out in California. These magnificent uh, groves of just these humongous, majestic uh, trees. And this pagan king, uh, he viewed himself as one that nothing could stand in his way. Well, verse 24, he boasted, I dug wells and drank foreign waters. I dried up with the sole of my foot all the streams of Egypt. 
Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I planned from days of old what now I bring to pass, that you should turn fortified cities into heaps of ruins, while their inhabitants, shorn of strength, are dismayed and confounded, and have become like plants of the field and like tender grass, and like grass on the housetops, blighted before it is grown. But I know you're sitting down, and you're going out, and coming in, and you're raging against me, because you have raged against me, and your complacency has come into my ears. I will put my hook in your nose, and my bit in your mouth, and I will turn you back on the way by which you came. And this shall be the sign for you. This year, eat what grows of itself, and in the second year, what springs of the same, and then in the third year, sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward, for out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors, the zeal of the Lord will do this. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Now, we're talking hundreds of years since David. We're talking hundreds of years. And here the Lord remembered the promises that he had made. So that was the message that God sent. Uh, yes, Hezekiah, I've heard your prayer. You remember Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Well, what did God do? Not only did he speak this word that Hezekiah Sennacherib is not going to bring his army here. And there, from a human perspective, uh, th there appeared to be nothing that could stop him. But God said, I will reach down my hand. I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And so we read in verse 35, And that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. I want you to think about that. The angel that God sent, it didn't take an army of angels. One angel slew this mighty group of warriors, these mighty men that had been a juggernaut steamrolling all of the other nations that had stood in opposition to them. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. 
Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived at Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. And as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, Adram Melech and Sherezer, his son, struck him down with a sword and escaped into the land of Ararat, and there Shar Daddin, his son, reigned in his place. And so indeed the Lord brought a great deliverance uh, to Judah and Jerusalem in King Hezekiah's day. And so in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, uh, we read in verse 20, Then Hezekiah the king of Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, prayed because of this and cried to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel who cut off all the mighty warriors and commanders and officers in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. And when he came into the house of his God, some of his own sons struck him down there with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all his enemies, and he provided for them on every side. And many brought gifts to the Lord to Jerusalem, and precious things to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations from that time onward. Well, what do we learn from this? We learn that when God puts us in hard situations, he is setting the stage to bring praise to his name. When God puts us in hard situations, uh, it is a time for us to humble ourselves before the Lord and pray and to remember that the chief concern we ought to have is God's glory and not our own ease and rescue. And then we are reminded of the power of the Lord. And one who is not just an angel, but one who is God himself has come and taken on human flesh to be our Redeemer. And the Lord has promised, you remember as we saw last Lord's Day uh, in Joshua chapter 5, uh, the angel, the messenger of the Lord appeared to Joshua. And this same one now has taken on human flesh and purchased our redemption and been raised from the dead. And he has given us a commission to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded. And lo, Jesus promises, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Our hope is in Jesus. Christ is our deliverer. And the blasphemies of kings will be dealt with. Not only do we see King Sennacherib laid in the dust, but where is Pilate? Where is King Herod? And we won't take the time tonight to look at it, but I would encourage you to read Acts chapter 12. This pagan king was standing and the people were saying as he gave a speech, oh, 
the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately because this pagan King Herod did not give God the glory, the Lord sent an angel to strike him, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and spread. How we praise God. Jesus has recorded these things so that we would not be afraid to stand for him in our day. May God bless us to do so with wisdom and courage and strength and the compassion of the great King who has rescued us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you reign on high. We thank you, O Lord, that this passage of Scripture reminds us that pagan kings that would set themselves against you are doomed. We remember Psalm 2 and how you address the judges and the kings and the princes of the earth. And you warn them and tell them that they better bow and kiss the sun lest you be angry and they perish. Uh, Lord, if your anger is kindled but a little, uh, they are destroyed. And so, Lord, our hope is in you. We pray that you would give us a heart uh, that delights in you, that trusts in you, that is most concerned for your name, for your honor, for your glory, even when we find ourselves in distress, and that we would pray uh, to you, the God who is uh, enthroned uh, upon the cherubim, the great God who made the heavens and the earth, the God who has given your own Son to be our Redeemer. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have a name uh, written on your thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. And so, Lord, we bow before you, and we beg for mercy. We beg that you would pour forth your spirit and that you would revive our own hearts tonight uh, to not be afraid to stand for you. O oh Lord, we uh, pray that you would keep us from wavering uh, like for a brief time King Hezekiah did and paid that huge tribute. Uh, but Lord, we thank you that you revived his heart uh, to trust in you. And he stood, and he prayed, and you delivered. And so, Lord, give us grace to follow you in our own hearts, in our homes, in our church family. Lord, thank you for your word. It is precious to us. We pray that you would raise up godly uh, uh, rulers and leaders. Uh, Lord, not only in each family in our land, but in the churches of our land in business, in education, in every facet of life, including civil government. Oh, have mercy upon us, Lord. Look down from heaven and save us. And it's in Jesus we pray. Amen.